Hello everybody, um, my name's Sarah Arrow, as you may know, I'm the Creative Director at LeadsLaunchLeverage.com and today I'm really excited to share with you an interview with the fantastic Peter Sign. And I'm going to let him introduce himself because he does so many incredible, exciting things, I don't think I could do them justice. So over to you, Peter. Hi Sarah, thanks to everybody in the audience. Uh, Sarah's asked me to do an introduction. So I will, it may take slightly longer and it's not me being weird, it's just that I lead a very hybrid life with many interests in different sectors. So I'm middle-aged and grey and old, as you can see. Started off in life in the military for 16 years, left when my kids were born when they were young. Six years in corporate PLC world where I was reasonably successful to MD level in various big American companies. Since 2002, 2003, I've been running my own companies, uh, multiple small businesses, none of them large, all focused at the tourism sector, uh, businesses in Morocco, businesses in Spain, several activity operators in Scotland, and an outbound expedition business that goes all around the world. Uh, we're approaching 200,000 clients through all them businesses, uh, which are all focused on adventure travel, uh, from anything from a day up to summer trips or 10 weeks to 14 weeks long. That's my tour operators. Most of them are now more or less run under management. I still take a part from a finance point of view and a marketing point of view, but not from much of a doing point of view these days. My other part of life is do a lot of speaking gigs uh, all around the world, mostly travel conferences also do lectures at MBA courses at various universities around the place and executive leadership courses. Uh, most of my talks are on digital transformation, sometimes with a focus on the travel industry, not always with a focus on the travel industry, more digital transformation on leadership for executive teams, both in startups and on established businesses. But it always sort of revolves around the travel industry because that's where my deep uh, knowledge is. I know a lot of things, I know a lot about a very small amount of things, I know nothing about a huge amount of things. So, uh, so deep. Yeah, deep, in a, not even just in the travel industry, within niches within the travel industry, I've gone exceedingly deep uh, because I'm not sharp enough to go wide across industries, so I stick with what I know uh, and hopefully develop that to the benefit of our customers first and also all our, all our partners in different companies. Brilliant. And when it comes to, you mentioned 200,000 clients and I've seen on social media, you've got a tremendous following that are very happy and love what you offer. And yeah. um, how did you start to find those clients? Because when you started back in 2002, 2003, social media wasn't a thing. Blogging yeah, yeah. Had just been invented and email was the big ticket yep. and compare that to now where everybody when they talk about their marketing it's oh you've got to get on Facebook whereas Facebook didn't even exist when you started out yeah I was sort of lucky in the sense that in my corporate settlement I only had two corporate jobs but my second one was a large very large multi-billion dollar uh, distribution company IT products who late 90s started looking at this thing called the internet and how are we going to start using that not so much from a b2c model but from a b2b model and basically electronic trading across multiple countries multiple products to try and 
with a focus on making the business more efficient. It wasn't a focus necessarily to begin with on selling more product. It was certainly a, to make it more efficient. So they were looking for a lunatic who would take on that task across. Uh, I, I have always been one for volunteering for everything. So I have been a, doing a little bit of research into the internet. So I volunteered. So I was lucky to have two to three years of a large PLC investing in me and a team to discover about this thing about net, internet, electronic trading, online trading, predominantly from a B2B, but obviously you're picking up B2C knowledge as you went along there. So when I decided to do my own thing and go back into adventure and build my own companies, I already had a reasonable grasp on the internet and how it could be used going forward. Uh, obviously, there was no social media at that side, but obviously Google was the, the dominant thing. So I understood the power of the market. And so we were buying PPC click ads for 0 0.01 cent because everything we're in is really niche. It's not now. You know, some of the some of the things we were buying at that rate are now five pound to ten pound a click. Wow! But then they were super cheap, unbelievably cheap, and no one else in the sector had really. They they, they were still struggling to put up websites. Never mind pay pay for click. So we managed to look at our marketplace and all the potential verticals in our market and distant customer groups, and we just hammered them with pay for click because the return was off, off the charts. Mm. Uh, obviously, as time went past, pay-per-click got higher, but our SEO by that time had, had came up because, again, we, we understood. So we dominated again for many years in an SEO world combined with the pay-per-click. That experience, which is much, 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 much harder now, by the way, <laughs> a lot harder than what it was then, but that experience made sure we were aware when new things came along like social media that it was potentially just as powerful as Google. Uh, and I would argue today it's not yet as powerful as Google, but it's it's getting there. It's, at the end of the day, it's only, early, it's only early days. Everybody thinks it's been about forever. It's not. It's only been about 10 years, whatever it is. So as mm. social media came along, we didn't have a clue about it. We didn't understand it, but we spent a huge amount of time testing, building, breaking, binning, moving on, project after project after project, see what worked, what didn't work. Uh, and it was a complete time suck and a money suck. But mm. I knew it would work because just my, I've trained as an engineer uh, from a construction point of view, an engineer and practical engineer. And logic told me that if you end up with hundreds of millions as it was then, rapidly happening now billions if you've got these people socializing on platforms there has to be business there there can't not be business there if you put as many people in a group <laughs> having a conversation there has to be business it's just logic and I, so i never went through the battle of can we make money here can we not make money can we do business here to me it was just it was obvious there was always going to be business there it was a case of finding out how you found your route to do, doing that business, which was not simple. It was complex and a time suck, like, and still is. And because what works today doesn't work tomorrow. And it literally is getting that fast. It used to be what works this year didn't work next year. But mm -hmm. it's now getting that fast and things are changing. One, because the platforms change them constantly from their algorithms, etc. But also 
societal changes from people are moving at speed that is incomprehensible. I can't get over the, the speed things change. So you're constantly having to experiment, which is a time suck and a money suck, and they measure it to make sure that overall you're getting a return because you are going to lose a lot of the time. But when you win, you can win big. But don't sit on your laurels because what you're winning on will probably change within weeks or months, certainly within a year. Wow. Yeah, I, I never heard it expressed that powerfully before. So you're absolutely right. You can't sit on your laurels. And I think a lot of people are finding that with Facebook ads. But I don't want to go down the Facebook ads conversation because I think we could be here all day if we did. Yeah, yeah. I know you've got another super secret weapon of social media that you use. You use LinkedIn. Yep. Uh, LinkedIn... I have a long history on LinkedIn because I joined at the very beginning in 2003. I did nothing with it at all. It actually closed my account because I was doing nothing with it. Reopened the account in 2006 uh, and did what 98, 99% of people on LinkedIn do, which is put up a profile, fill it in the way LinkedIn tells you to fill it in, which is not necessarily correct. If you're looking for a job, it's, it's more or less correct. can be improved on but it's more or less correct. But if you're not looking for a job, the way that LinkedIn is laid out to fill in your profile is not particularly the way you, you, should, you want, to be, want to be doing it. I think I've just got a dog barking behind me. Two seconds. He wants to be under a blanket. So even between 2006, 2012, I was one of the 98% who did nothing on LinkedIn. Absolutely, put a profile up, maybe visited it once a month and did the odd comment, but actually didn't do anything with it. And I was off the view that 80% of my business is B2C, 20% of my business is B2B. I found my B2B quite easy anyway. Therefore, I was like, what am I going to use LinkedIn for? I don't want a job. Therefore, what am I going to use it for? However, I had some free time. It started to annoy me. I was like, what is LinkedIn? At the end of the day, it is a database. That is what it is. It's nothing more. It is a database. And someone mentioned me, I had 25, 26 million businesses on it just in the UK. And then my brain went, wait a minute, there's 26 million businesses on LinkedIn just in the UK, and it's a database. But people are spending money buying databases. Yeah. Lots of money. But there's 26 million data, data of businesses on LinkedIn and it's not just pretty accurate data, it's real people. <laughs> <laughs> so again, I'm slow learning. This is 2003 <laughs> all the way to 2012 and, and onwards. It takes me a, life, a time to catch up with things. <laughs> uh, so it was like, there's got to be business there if there's 25, 26 million businesses there. And I need to figure out this LinkedIn thing. So that bugged away. I mean, again, slow learning. I didn't really, did a bit, changed my profile did some articles, did a little bit, got a little bit of traction, got some business from some of the tour operators off it, but not enough to make me excited. Uh, and I got, uh, I went off in other directions, as I always do, to do other things. Mm -hmm. Came back to about 2016, 2017. And for whatever reason, I was like, by then I was convinced that I should be doing much, much better from business out of LinkedIn. And I treat, again, it's time in, effort in, reward out. 
I said, right, I'm going to really focus on this. I'm going to learn the platform. How are we going to get business out of it? Uh, and that's when I started building in a way, and it takes time. It's one thing I've got to put down, and this is not a quick return. I started building a profile out and a content out focused on my niche world that started to get traction and started to build. And I have no idea what the crossing point is, but there is a crossing point. <laughs> when you, you build and you build and you build and it drips, 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 and then you cross a point and then it, the dam bursts and it sort of floods. Uh, and it's like all social media. You go away from it, it stops. Mm -hmm. now, if we stop on Facebook, it is a vertical waterfall cliff. We stop doing social media on Facebook, it falls off a cliff. Yep. Inquiries just stop coming in overnight, within 24 hours. We found on LinkedIn, and we, we get about 15 to 20 inquiries a week from LinkedIn, whereas in Facebook, we, we get a lot more. But in LinkedIn, if we stop doing work, it doesn't fall off a cliff. It, it, it's a gradual decline over a period of time. Mm -hmm. so, it's, so it's more sticky. The work you've done there uh, lasts for longer, uh, and it's more sticky to, to the potential client base. However, if you continue with a process on LinkedIn and, and you design a, a program and a, a system, again, I go back to, I'm an engineer, from, so I systemize everything. If you create a system around your content and around your interaction and religiously do it day in, day out, what you get is not a decline, but you get a steady growth of your inquiries coming in. But only if you systematically continue doing doing the work and I, I come back to that the work is not quick and the, the work is not it's not and obviously you know there's lots of software tools that can schedule posting and help you so there's things that can make you more efficient but you you really need to work LinkedIn from a from a, a brain point of view a knowledge point of view because the people on there will, will only engage if you're producing really thought out content it's not the Facebook audience. It's a completely different audience. I can engage Facebook audience with content I can make up in two to three minutes and it will get engagement and it will get us business. Mm -hmm. I can't do that on LinkedIn. I have to spend hours creating content because it has to be thought through proper analytical content to engage the market that I'm targeting, targeting on, on LinkedIn. So it's a, it's a different platform. Uh, obviously, and the pe and it's and people say it's different people, and it's not. And I've proved this. The same people are on LinkedIn as are on are on Facebook, and you can do a cross reference of them all and find the same. Again. But people are people. They give one persona on one platform because they feel it has to be a professional persona because they're on a business platform, and they have a different persona on LinkedIn. But you can cross reference the two very, very easy. Uh, but the it's psychological. People act differently on LinkedIn. They're the same person, but they put out a different persona on LinkedIn because they feel it's a professional and wants whether it is or not, I'll leave that for people to decide, but they feel it's a professional platform. Therefore, they communicate in a different way. Therefore, you have to change your content and your style of communicating because your potential customer base is acting in a different way from what they're doing on other social platforms. And, and it's, it's quite easy and there's tools about it. You can cross-reference Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and you can build a whole persona of a potential target customer 
So you're you're not just built, you're not just working off what you know from one platform. You can know from several platforms, and that's that's powerful information before you make any approach, mm. any approach to anything. Yeah, I love that, that people adapt to their environment, that the LinkedIn environment is different from Facebook, so their behaviour changes to the situation and the platform itself. Yep. Something yep. that lots of people, I think, overlooks, and it sounds like you've mastered it perfectly. Yeah, but I'm a people watcher, so I watch what people do. I listen to what they say, and I read what they say, but I pay more attention to what they do, because... Mm-hmm what people say and what they do is often very, very different. And it's not that they're being deceitful or, or lying. It's just they, they don't actually know what they do is different from what they're saying. So actions is proof. Data is proof. So the data is normally, if you can interrogate it, which is the hard thing with data, the data is normally true. What people are saying is not normally true. And so I watch what people do rather than what they say. And it's often, and we build systems and we build programs around what people do not what they're saying because that's where you you can press the buttons and make and make things work Mm. i think that's um a real big eye-opener because i like systems and i just like to follow the flow it takes um if you have to think out every single thing every time you do it that's a lot of brain power and if you have a system or a process in place it's less brain power, so you can do it more efficiently, faster, and do more things. Um, yep. One of the things that people often say to me is, how do you get so much done? Well, you know, you just do it yep. once, work out the process, and then, as the shampoo bottle says, lava, rinse, and repeat. And the more you do something, the easier it becomes. And I think sometimes people want to go in a way that feels natural and they call it go with the flow but actually there's no system there's no process yeah there is no structure behind it and of course if they get a result they've got lucky because they don't know what's worked they can't unpick it to see what they did differently because each time they do something different and they don't capture that data in order to analyze it I've just realized I've gone off on a complete tangent. Yeah, no, no, it's it's important because Mm -hmm. we're all small businesses. Small businesses are are resource light all the time. So Mm -hmm. again, you can be fast and you can be nimble, but at the end of the day, we haven't got the resources to do what we would like to do. Therefore, if you accept that, you have to do whatever makes you the most efficient. And there's never been a time in life ever that there's as many tools available for next to no money or free that makes you efficient. However, there's also a crossover line, which I see a lot of people trying. You get the people who have not got a system and are completely inefficient, and that's not going to work ever. That's just killing time, and you get lucky, but you have to have systems. But I also see the opposite effect, people trying to systemize too much and use tools and stuff to make them too efficient. Mm -hmm. And when you're small, you you have to be careful with this, particularly in the digital world, because everybody thinks it can be automated to the extreme people are still people and people like talking to people and they like building a relationship and they like that personal thing so there's a, I always say there's a difference between efficiency and effectiveness mm. so you want to use things that make you efficient but you want to measure what is the most effectiveness that you can 
So if, if I give an example, every marketing guru has ever approached us, ever worked with us, are wanting us to increase our online bookings, which is what they think is the right thing to do from various websites we've got. Whereas we've proved by multiple testing that when we increase our online bookings from, we're only sitting at something like 17 to 18% of the bookings that are on, i.e. press a button online, it's booked, compared mm -hmm. with having a conversation by phone, WhatsApp, WeChat, Facebook Messenger, multiple channels of communication coming in. When we increase and we've took it all the way up to 50% online, our profits go down. Wow. So we've increased our efficiency, but we haven't increased our effectiveness. Mm. And our, now, if we're looking to scale our small businesses to be massive businesses, there's a cross-off point where, where we're making less profit, but the growth and the volume is more important. But we're not in that game. We're in the game of being small and making money. <laughs> Therefore, we, why is it making less money? Because you can only sell rel today. This is going to change as the internet gets better and technology gets better. But today, you can only sell relatively simplistic product Amazon style online. The minute the product is complex, if you sell it online, it won't sell online. And two, you miss so many opportunities to help the customer discover other product services. Buy. So if we sell a trip, they'll buy the trip, but they didn't buy the mail, they didn't buy the transport, they didn't buy the pickup, they didn't buy multiple other services that are really difficult to sell online, particularly as we are group focused, so the, the price point can be quite high. Therefore, through proof, we make more money by not selling direct online, but by selling through communication. So that's an example of effectiveness over efficiency. Mm -hmm. And there is a, there is a, oh, you have to find a different point. If there's only two people booking and they just want to do a river trip with us, yes, book online, that's, that's fine. But if it's a group of 20 people looking for a whole day out with multiple points in it, we don't want them to book online because there is more value for them because we'll create a better experience for them. Mm -hmm. And there's more value for us because we'll make more money if we have had communication. And when I say online, obviously the communication is online, but they're just not pressing a button. So it's each business needs to find out the value of efficiency versus effectiveness. And you're looking for the sweet spot in the mud, in the middle. Mm -hmm. And now if you're building a scale business, you will always lean to efficiency. Yeah. Because you need to scale and scale and scale and scale. But most small businesses are not in that game. Therefore, they have to find that. that. And it is complex. You have to do a lot of testing to find that what is the most efficient way of doing this. But it's not effective way of doing it, not efficient. It's not always the way that the guru or the marketing people or whatever will say because they're using examples of multiple businesses and multiple platforms and multiple ways of doing it. And each little small micro business or small business has a personal way of doing business. But if you're selling a pen or a widget, yes, have it all online because it's very simple. Amazon press a button. But if you're selling services or consultancy or anything else, it's a different, it's, it's, it's different. Yeah, there has to be more communication. Yeah. Okay, so let's get back to LinkedIn for a moment. Sure. If somebody's just starting LinkedIn and talking to people and having conversations for the first time, where do you recommend they start? Should they start with a status update or should they start in a community or a group or should they just all in on the articles? I would say they start with a profile. Mm. Uh, 
because at the end of the day, that's your digital space on there. You're only one of billions of bits of digital space, but it is where people is going to find you, check you out. If you start pushing articles, start pushing content, and anybody reads it or doesn't, they're going to go back and read your profile, or some people are. Uh, therefore, you have to make sure that your profile totally represents what you're going to be talking about, and it, it gives reassurance to the people who are connecting with you and reading. So you have to spend time on your profile. When I say time, I'm talking days. If people think, oh, I'll go and update my LinkedIn profile, and it'll take me an hour. No, it won't, because if it does, you've not done it right. <laughs> Getting your LinkedIn profile correct, LinkedIn profile uh, profile correct, is a multi-day exercise, and it shouldn't be done on the profile. It should be done off on a piece of paper or on a Word document, uh, looking at how you you build out your profile. Now, I'm not a LinkedIn expert by means, and there's millions of LinkedIn experts who you can go to, and they'll they'll help you with this stuff. But there's some logical things here. And LinkedIn is not good with this because, like I say, it was built for recruiters, so it leads you to talk about yourself. It's your profile, and all the boxes are done in a way from the programming to make you describe everything about you. Now, I believe only 5 to 10% of your profile should be about you. Now, that goes against the, the norm, which I often do. The reason I say that is... Again, watching people understand what people do, not what they say. And the average person who's never met you before or has maybe seen one thing about you, but it's, it, you're a new introduction to them. I can guarantee you they do not care about you. They don't give a flying hoot about you. Therefore, if your profile is all about you, so what? They don't care. What they want to know is what can you do for them or other people? Therefore, if you take that to its logical conclusion, your profile should be 90% about what you do for your clients, not about you. But if you look at most profiles, they're all about the person. Mm -hmm. And they've all got kind of, titles and job descriptions, and this is about me, and kind of, I've got seven dogs, blah, blah. And it's, it's nonsense. No one's interested. No one cares. What they're interested in is what do you do and what have you done that works for other people and I'm not talking about your job titles I'm not talking about and the blah blah it's physical pain points that you solve for your customers so when I say you can't do this on your profile you have to do it offline it's a business exercise because it helps you understand who your customers are mm -hmm. I have multiple customers groups from various different uh, sectors and various different industries so my profile is structured to address the issues of multiple different groups and their pain points. So it's written about them, not about me. Sorry, my husband's so, got to do a call, so he's relocated me to the lounge. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think we smoothly transitioned rooms. <laughs> So your profile is something that is very powerful and very important, but it can't be about you. It has to be about your clients and the people that you help. Yeah, and the, and the pain points they have, you have to have evidence there that you understand the client, whatever client group it is. You do a service that addresses their pain point. So you have to describe 
who your clients are so people know that oh, this, this person is in my sector and then evidence of you addressing that sector because that builds up gravitas and knowledge that they, they are actually interested. Now, you obviously have to do a little bit about yourself because it is personal. Again, it's peer-to-peer. You're speaking direct. So there has to be a little bit about yourself and your history. What can Forget about job titles and all that. If you're in the job market, all of that's important. But if you're in business, no one cares what you're called. Again, you can call Mickey Mouse. It's, it's irrelevant. Again, so, but again, the, the way it's laid out, it makes you put titles in. Get rid of them. No one's interested in your, in your title. They're interested in what you do. Right, so make sure the whole thing's in. There needs to be a little bit about yourself, for sure. Uh, therefore, do that at the beginning, a little bit, but tiny. Just enough to give people reassurance, something that gives them authority that you know what you're talking about. But the vast majority uh, is about your client, client groups, not about you. And you can't start to build a content knowledge base on LinkedIn to get engagement without having really addressed your, your profile. Because unless you're mad, your content that you're going to create is going to be similar to what your profile refers to. So you should be creating content that your profile backs up. So the two come come together to make, to make a package. And again, I often see profiles and content that are a complete mismatch. And that normally happens because people have moved on in life. They've maybe changed role, changed job. They're creating new content, but the content doesn't reflect what, what, the, what the profile is. So if they've just updated and adjusted their profile, they've been good, but obviously they've just taken it for granted. Yeah, just take, and it's, it's easy to do. It's not a criticism. It's easy to do because just the platform is built in a way that it's just like fill all these boxes in. I've done my job. Just leave it and you're going to get some traction. You're not. <laughs> and, and the other thing is that people, a lot of people don't realize the profile is it's one of the most powerful SEO tools there. Therefore, you have to make sure Things like the title is incredibly important. And people put, oh, managing director, company XYZ. No one cares. And, <laughs> and nobody searches that. And, and no one searches that. Therefore, the title has to be what you do, can keywords of what you do, not what you want to call yourself. But again, I keep coming back to the way engineers, the engineers have structured LinkedIn. It was designed initially as a recruitment tool. Therefore, you're encouraged to do things that are great looking for a job, but not so good if you're looking business. So the, all the time when you're looking at the different fields, you have to think about your customer. What is my potential customer wanting to be reading in this field? Not what LinkedIn's telling me to put in it. Brilliant. Um, I just need you to talk about messages for a moment because one of the things in my community we talk about quite a lot is messages and um i try to type a personal message if i'm connecting with someone who's never interacted with me who has no idea who i am then i will type up a personal message and say why i'd like to connect and Otherwise, if someone sends me a connection request, I accept it. And then a couple of days later, I follow up with, um, what are you doing these days? Um, Is there anyone I can introduce you to? And that's all done by hand. 
and quite often I get messages that are clearly copy and paste back. Yep. They don't even change the name sometimes. I've been called Kenneth and Steve yeah, yeah. and things like that. So what's your thoughts and your systems for messaging? I have a, a copy and paste system where I have about 20, 30 different messages that are there. But when I put them in, I then alter them most times because it's it, it's quicker because it's, it's sufficient. Uh, but it needs to be tweaked to be effective. So having a selection of messages, because you've got to mind I'm going deep in a very niche uh, world of, of my business. Therefore, most people I'm proactively contacting are in my world. Again, it's, sometimes I have to go outside my world, but normally I'm connecting with people who are in my world. Therefore, my pre-prepared messages are very relevant to what I'm going after, but they do need tweaked because it may be that I'm connecting with somebody because I've read something that they're, they've just put, published and I want to get deeper about that. Therefore, there can be maybe a sentence that gets tweaked or even just a few words that get tweaked. So again, efficiency, effectiveness, having these all prepared is efficient, but you need to be effective. You need to be careful before you send that press button. I don't do any messages from a mobile phone. Mm-hmm. Because LinkedIn, you can actually do a message for your mobile phone, but it's not intuitive. You have to know what you're doing. The way LinkedIn is, it's like connect. They just put a big button saying connect. You touch it and the message goes and you've not written anything. You have to go up, find the dots, drop it down, create. I find it really challenging to do stuff on my mobile phone and LinkedIn. It's on it, the interface on the mobile is very different from the interface on a laptop or a desktop. So I have a kind of rule that, I do all my proactive work from a laptop or desktop. I do communication and chatting back and forward uh, on mobile and keeping up to date and the odd comment from my mobile phone. But if I'm proactively doing work, I've decided it has to be from a desktop or a laptop for the reason that I've tried to do from a, uh, a mobile phone and I make too many mistakes. And therefore, if you're connecting someone from the first time and you made a silly mistake, it just looks, it just looks stupid. Uh, so a message, 100%, in my opinion, 100% essential, don't send connections with a message, has to be relevant to what you're trying to do and don't just bang another message out straight after it trying to sell it. I mean, it sounds obvious, but people do it and I get every day I get connect, people connect with me and then they try to sell me something straight away and you have no relationship with them whatsoever. It's just not going to work. Even if you do it in volume, it's not going to work. Uh, therefore, it's about getting that initial rate, uh, connection, have a system of time where you follow up if there is a reason to follow up. Sometimes there isn't a reason to follow up, sometimes there is. And my system is for if there's an interest generated between the two parties, we take it offline. We take it into what we are doing now. We either have a video call or a phone call. Mm-hmm. And I'll do 20 to 30 calls a week from LinkedIn connections that are prearranged because we feel both of us that there's an interest to do it and some of the calls are 20 minutes some of them are two hours so it it just depends on what the the interest is and the relevance to the 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 two parties based on the the messenger system and this is where if we go back to the beginning when we're talking time this is a time suck therefore you have to again measure your time what is the input but in the early days 
this is an investment. You're putting the time in you and you're not going to get any, you're not going to get the rewards and you're going to think, oh, why am I doing this? And you're not going to get the rewards. You have to have a system. You have to double down. You have to do time, time, time and build this up. With regards messages, if you have a profile that matches when people go, because if you send a message, somebody will check your profile before them, before they connect with you or come back on the whole, not always, but on the whole. If they're already seeing content or there's content on your profile that they all will read, this is where it comes back to the content creation, you mm. will increase your connection rate relevant to how good your content is. So you will increase your connection rate relevant to how good your profile is and you will increase your connection rate of acceptance relevant to how good your content is. If the profile, the content, have a direct relevance to the connection. Yeah. If you get where I'm coming from. So it's all linked together. And yeah. if you've got something that's not congruent, that's not quite what it should be, then it impacts upon the quality of the requests as yeah. well as people accepting the contact and having yeah. the conversation with you. Yeah, and as, as that grows, as your profile gets better, as your content uh, data, database that you've built gets better, uh, your connection requests of yes rather than ignored will increase quite significantly, especially if you focus in your, your again, don't just go random. You have to focus, and that can be quite hard to focus on what you want to do because there's so many. You really, really, you really need to understand who your customer is. Yeah. Again, and who your potential customer is. Otherwise, because there's so many people on there, it's quite easy to build up a very big connection following that is probably not as relevant as you think it is because it just happens to be a big number. But it's much later having a small number who are very relevant than a big number that's irrelevant. And there's an argument that what do you know is relevant what's not, and it's a justifiable argument. But that comes back to do you really, really understand who your customer is? My experience, most small businesses don't actually really, really understand who their customer is. Yeah, it's um, one of the things that we like to do in our business is we like to survey people on a regular basis for yeah. maybe five times a year. And I frequently ask, why do you do that so often? Now, I've got people who've followed me and been on my email list since 2011. And in 2011, I still had a transport company with my husband. And yep. 2019, I don't. I don't have that. Things have changed. So the things that I talk about may no longer be relevant to them. Yep. So by surveying them, I'm refreshing their memory of who I am, what I now do, and do they still want to stay? And if they do, how can I help them? Because the things that I could help with back in 2011 are significantly narrower to what I can help with now. Yeah. More importantly, my experience in 2011 was solely around transport businesses. And in 2019, it's, um, again, still service-based businesses, but no longer so many transport businesses. In fact, I don't think I've got any transport businesses now. Yeah, um, you, you have to be relevant. And I, I'm as guilty as, it, as everybody because I'm in different sectors Although it's all in travel and I run my own businesses, most of the business I'm doing off LinkedIn is B2B business with me being the product rather than my businesses being the product. Mm. 
but I will have thousands of connections on LinkedIn who know me because of my businesses. Whereas yep. now I personally spend more time helping other businesses from a consultancy point of view, startups and other travel businesses. But at least half my connections will think of me as the guy who runs the rafting businesses, the, the adventure travel businesses, the expedition businesses. Whereas reality, all my inquiries this last week were nothing to do with them. <laughs> but they st their businesses are still live. Therefore, you have to understand. And one of the weaknesses of the database on a LinkedIn is quite hard. It's quite hard to segment your connections unless you take your connections out of LinkedIn, which you can do. You can mm. download all your connections and then segment them up to if you have multiple different roles and multiple different uh, income streams. The only way to really segment up your is to take them off LinkedIn. I mean, I use Sales Navigator, which is very good from a search point of view, and it does quite a lot of good things. But if you've got a big following, you really need to take them off and segment them up. Because I have a huge chunk of people that have no interest in what I'm currently engaged in. But they're still interested in what I used to be, and still I'm engaged in. But I couldn't send out, and I mean, LinkedIn's not a place where you send mass, mass, mass messages anyway. But if I did, it would be gobbledygook to most of the, the connections because there was like, what's he talking about? Because they, when they made a connection and we had a relationship, it was on different different things. So you, you do have to be careful about, it goes back to what I was saying about a profile saying one thing, but you're creating content about, about another thing. It all has to match because that's what builds the, the authority, is the word I'm looking for. It builds the knowledge that you're going to get more proactive people asking you. Because so at the end of the day, what you try to do here you're trying to build a profile and a content database that attracts inbound inquiries. That's, mm -hmm. that's at the end game. Okay, whatever. If you're in business, that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to help people by showing you know what you're talking about, whatever sector you're in, and through a period of time, attract enough inbound inquiries that turn into business that justify your time for, for doing it. That's what you're trying to do. Mm. Easy to say harder to do <laughs> it is and i think that's the thing with content marketing and social media and all of this side of marketing your business it is time intensive it takes time to research the clients find out where they're hanging out and what sort of things they're interested in and interact with and as you mentioned earlier that can change literally the very next day yeah yeah the, the algorithms change i tend not to focus on them too much because I've accepted they're going to change and disrupt what I do constantly. That's, that's programmed in. They are going to do that. And complaining about it is a bit like pushing water back up the river. Yeah, it's, it's pointless. Again, you're just not going to win. So I tend to accept that the algorithm changes are going to mess up what I do all the time. Therefore, my only role is to quickly adjust to what the changes are. So it's, a, it's an adjustment. Don't whinge about it. Just get on with it. Whether that's Google, Facebook, it's all of them. They're not doing it to be bad people. They're doing it because the platform has to change. That's, that's just the way it is. So I tend to ignore that, just get on and accept the change. But in the current LinkedIn algorithm, and I'm not an expert on it, but I understand enough about it. Right. There's no engagement or very little engagement in groups. When I was on it years ago, all the engagement was in groups. Yep. Actually nothing now, really. It's all, they've gone Facebook style. It's all on your feed. So posts, creating a post 
with a film, a video in or a picture in and content on a post will get the highest engagement. It gets, now this is where, again, I find it a bit crazy. Mm. Creating a post will take you whatever time you put in it, five minutes, 10 minutes, whatever effort you put in it. But it's a relatively quick thing to do. It's a post. Yeah. But it gets the biggest reward from the algorithm. Creating an article should take you a significant amount of time. It can take me days to create an article, thinking, analyzing, can, taking notes. It's a significant effort. But an article gets devalued in the algorithm massively compared with a post. So from a customer service point of view, if I'm running LinkedIn, I'm saying, so this customer of mine who are spending a huge amount of time creating good, deep content, I'm going to punish them and reward not frivolous content, but less thought through content. So sometimes I struggle with, the, with how they're thinking because then I know from their side, what they want is massive engagement and quick because they know people's brains go at like this bang, bang, bang fast. And they need that feed to be more like Facebook because at the end game, they want to send, sell more advertising. That's why they don't do that. But at the moment, the post gets most engagement, articles get the next less engagement and groups are nearly dead. <laughs> Not all, because some group owners or some group uh, admins are still very proactive, but groups are really hard work now because of the changes that they made. It's all about the feed. One of the complaints people get, if they've got a lot of connections, the feeds is all dross and it's become Facebook-like, whinge, 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 everybody complaining all the time. Mm. My answer to them is, well, train yourself to train your feed. Yep. Stop whinging about it. You can train your feed so you only see what you want. The fact that you're whinging about it is because you're too friggin' lazy to go and learn how to do it different. It's as, as simple as that because LinkedIn's not going to change. It's going to become more like Facebook from, from a technology setup, how they present content, how they get people to engage with content. It will follow Facebook. Why? Because Facebook's been the most successful in the world at doing it. So why wouldn't you follow them? <laughs> so that there's no point in whinging about it. You just have to make sure you train yourself to get a feed line that presents the sort of content and the sort of engagement that, that you want. And from that building that your content based on your knowledge, it's not just about what you create, remember. You have to engage a lot with other people's content. Yeah. And it's, you should be engaging with other people's content more than you're creating your own content. And I'm not going to sit here and say you should be doing X articles a week or X posts. Everybody has to find what works for them. And I don't know what the right, if there is a right ratio, I don't know if it exists. I know what works for me because I test it. But everybody needs to work out how many posts a week, how many articles a month, can, and how much engagement to do with other posts, other people's content. The one thing I would say is you should be doing more engagement with other people's content than producing your own content. Yeah. And that's the nice thing about LinkedIn is if you leave a thoughtful comment and you share a little insight or a technique that's worked for you, people will go back, look at your profile, see what you do, and then send you a connection request. And then you start the conversation. Yeah. So you've got to go out and sow lots of tiny conversations in lots of places with your ideal customers. And it, it can be, like you've mentioned several times, a big time suck, a big time investment. But the payoff is tremendous. And in terms of quality of leads, I've found the connection of 
on LinkedIn, the lead is a much stronger quality lead than they are on Facebook. And I don't know whether that's because on Facebook they've potentially got more choice and they're having more conversations or because they've adapted to the LinkedIn environment and when they strike up a conversation with you, they're striking it up because they're coming at it with the intention of doing some form of business with you. Yeah, it's slightly different because we get a much higher volume from Facebook. But it's what you said is correct. It's like your conversion rate in Facebook is nothing like a conversion rate in other places. It's but it's higher volume. But the conversions that come from LinkedIn are more valuable because nine times it's not always we do get B two B from Facebook, but normally it's B two C, and they can be reasonably high ticket, but it tends to be a one or two time purchase. Whereas if it's B2B, it can be multiple years. So we create a relationship, so it's multiple years. So the value from a LinkedIn connection and piece of business outweighs a Facebook one for us as well. But there's no way we ever going to get the volume off LinkedIn that we get off Facebook. It's just the way our business is structured. That'll be different for different different businesses. But coming back to commenting on other people's content, there is a tendency, and again, that the engineers that build LinkedIn are guilty of this because they're copying Facebook and they're coming up with all these various things, likes and smiles and love hearts and all the rest of it. <laughs> that trains people because people become creatures of habit. We're habitual because we're humans and we like habit and we like routine. So, And these companies play on that. And if, if you just train everybody just to press likes and that, that that's not necessarily a good thing. And you see that's what happens most. Decent piece of content gets 50 likes and five comments. What you really want is you don't give a monkey's fart about the bloody likes. You want 50 comments. You want engagement. You want people thinking about what you're talking about. And you want them to be commenting relative to it. So when you're commenting, don't just say great, post great article, as you see all the time, because that means nothing. And if you're going to take the time to write something, make sure it is relevant and thought out to reward the person for the effort they've took to, to create the content. Because if you do, again, it takes more time, but if you do, that will increase your return rate of coming in. And whereas you could go to LinkedIn today and, and like 50,000 pieces of content, but no one's going to contact you. Mm. And, yeah. But if you do 10 or 20 thought out comments on people's good content, you'll be surprised what can come in. Mm. Um, you mentioned earlier, Peter, that you use the sales navigator. And that's often something that I see people asking questions around. Should you invest in the tools that LinkedIn has and the premium option? Yeah. What's your experience of the premium tools been? I would say for 90 plus percent of users, no. Uh, the only reason I do is I now count, count myself as a heavy LinkedIn user. Mm-hmm. which has been for the last couple of years. So I'm a heavy user. So I've only started using the premium tools in the last 18 months, 20-odd months. Up until then, I didn't because I had a look at them, couldn't see any upside for what I was doing. But I've gone from being a light, medium user to a heavy user. It, it is my B2B database for what I do now. And I, I see it being that going going forward. Therefore, investing whatever it is, premium. And it's not an significant amount of money, but it's 600, 700 quid a year, whatever it is. So it's a reasonable investment for a small business. The I don't believe the premium little gold badge brings anything. I honestly don't. I, I just don't. 
But Sales Navigator is a powerful tool if you know how to use it. Knowing how to use Sales Navigator is a long journey on itself. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's not the most customer-friendly design piece of software I've ever seen. Uh, so you have to, again, invest a lot of time just figuring out how to use Sales Navigator for your business. But I, I would only say it's valuable for a, a small percentage of owners who are really heavy into what they're doing. It's For the vast majority, I, w- I wouldn't recommend it. Until they've gone through a journey of building a profile that is as good as it can possibly be. Until they've gone through a journey of building lots of content that's getting them business coming in. So you can do all of that without Sales Navigator and without premium. And so do that and measure how long that takes you and measure the return coming in. And at some point you may cross over and think, maybe I'll have a test of this and see is it going to make any differences. Coming back to efficiency and effectiveness, what does Sales uh, Navigator bring to me? It makes me a bit more efficient. I wouldn't say it's made me tremendously more effective but it makes me a bit more efficient from a search point of view to find certain things on people or sectors that I'm, I'm looking for. So it's, a, it's a, an efficiency tool more than a must-have effectiveness tool, in my opinion. Some other businesses I know would have a completely different opinion, and they, they find it hugely beneficial. But again, it's, it's the minority. Mm. Um, I've just looked down at the time. Thank you so much for spending so much time with me going through this peter no um, if people would like to contact you for advice you mentioned you work with startups now particularly in the tourism industry oh no let's go only in the tourism industry <laughs> only only we're we not going out we haven't got enough knowledge to go and help people that i know nothing about only in travel and tourism and only with a digital ambition so they can find you on LinkedIn? LinkedIn, by far. Peter Simon, LinkedIn. Uh, I'm sure you'll find me on there. There's not that many of us. And if they want to find out more about the rafting, they can visit rafting.co.uk? Uh, rafting.co.uk. If they want a triple lifetime, thousandmilejourneys.com. Ten weeks in the Himalayas or ten weeks in a desert, if you're crazy enough. <laughs> and before you go... Share with us one little story that's that made your experience on LinkedIn. One little story that made my experience. Yeah. Someone contacted me, and this goes back to like 2006, 2007. So once you have a, a big following, and I, I don't even know how many connections I've got, but it's a lot. You don't, and obviously Sales Navigator lets you drill in and you can see all them, but I hadn't, there was an individual contacting me that when I looked back, we had connected in 2006, 2007. There had been no communication since then. Mm -hmm. I did a quick check. There was no likes or comments on any articles at all. So there was, so it was just a connection, a dead connection that, a dead connection, but the person was obviously living and, uh, there was no communication from 2006 until last year. That person booked a five-figure trip last year wow. based on reading, 
but no communication. Because most people are silent. On all social platforms, most people are silent. They're, they're watching, they're reading, they're taking, but they're not doing. And a huge amount of people on LinkedIn are in the corporate world. Most people on LinkedIn have jobs. They're not like us crazy people that don't have jobs and try to build things. Most people have jobs. Therefore, you can measure someone who has a job to someone who creates jobs or business. And the engagement from someone who creates business is off the charts compared with someone who has a job. Now, you could get a psychologist involved in that. I'm not going to go there. <laughs> but most people are watching, listening, reading, and not engaging. But never underestimate the effort you do today when it pays back. Mm. You just don't know. And you could have a 13-year buying cycle. <laughs> you just don't know. And we've got many examples where our buying cycle has been, particularly our higher end products where they're expensive, our buying cycle has been five and six years. Mm. You, just, you just don't know this stuff. But that goes back to creating content, creating profile. The good thing about LinkedIn is a lot of it in the other social platforms, Twitter, Facebook, it disappears. All that content has gone. It's so fast. LinkedIn is still a database where your content, because it's been stored on your profile, and, and you, we didn't mention it, but you should have a mixture of posts, you should have a mix of articles, and you should have a mixture of media, videos, slide decks, whatever. You, you need a content mix. It's mm. still a database where, although the feed is fast, your profile is more or less stagnant and just filling up with your content. And you don't really know the value of that because people are reading, people are reading articles I produced three and four years ago. Yeah. And, and you don't see, I don't see that on Facebook. Again, posts we put on Facebook, that's not happening again at all. Sometimes up to six months on Facebook, something will pop up. But on LinkedIn, it's, it's got a long history. That's the point I'm making. And you don't really know what's going on. So just, and that's important because it is a time suck. All of this, like I keep this time and time is money and it's effort. It's an investment, so you really need to be doing this if you tend been in business for years and you understand the long game. Most people try to grow or have ambitions to go really fast, etc. You need to understand the long game in business. You're in business for a long time. Therefore, create content that's going to help you for a, a long time. And that's a great point to finish on. Thank you so much for your time, Peter. Okay. Nice to chat to all your audience. And I'll be sharing this everywhere else. That's very good. 